Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Leadership Podcast, and I'm here today with Jonathan Morris. And Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us yeah, today. Happy to be here. I really appreciate it. So, hey, tell us a little bit of your story, like you know uh, where you grew up, and and then kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, so I grew up in the uh, Northern Virginia area, okay. right outside of Washington D.C. Um, came from from a great home. Uh, my dad's actually a, a pastor, <laughs> as well, and uh, mom was stay at home and. Uh, had an older brother, older sister, younger sister, and we all got along great. Um, and so, yeah, I, as far as the home I was raised in and my childhood and upbringing, I couldn't have asked for anything more. Mm. Uh, then, then got to the high school years, and um, you know what most high schoolers want is that that popularity. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I had all that. Um, really didn't face much adversity mm. uh, growing up. Um, like I said, had a great home, and then, you know, in high school, had all the things that I wanted, you know, was popular, mm -hmm. and, you know, the prom queen girlfriend, mm -hmm. and the starting guard on the basketball team, uh, you know, and the, the class clown, and and all at the same time kept this persona of, you know, pastor's kid, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that's that's what I strive for, and that's what I had. Uh, then, you know, once you, you go to college, things change a little bit, uh, you know, you become a small fish in a big pond, yeah. not big fish in a small pond. And so my freshman year, I, I went to Radford University, and then the ultimate goal was to get to the University of Tennessee. And so I transferred to Tennessee my sophomore year and uh, ended up dropping out uh, mm -hmm. my junior year. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was only uh, at UTK for um, you know just three semesters mm -hmm. and dropped out and started working for this uh, new lunch spot uh, in, in Knoxville. Um, it had just opened up. It was called Brown Bag, and um, yeah, I, I was needing money, and uh, a guy that was hiring me said, hey, I can get you plenty of hours, so I started working there and worked there for two years, and then uh, a couple of years into that, they, they said to me, hey, what do you think about going and, and opening up um, in a store in Nashville um, and being an owner-operator? And uh, with no college degree and uh, you know a 22 year old kid, I, I jumped right at it and uh, opened opened here in the uh, Franklin area mm -hmm. in January of 2016. So we've been open for just over three years now um, and opened up a catering facility downtown. Um, hopefully, we're going to add another retail store um, wow. here in the next year or two. So yeah. That's that's where I'm, I've been, and that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, what a journey! I mean, praise God, it just yeah, kind of opened it up. And yeah, yeah. it was so. crazy. Hey, tell me about you know you said you're starting guard on the basketball team. How how big was sports in your life growing up? It was huge. Yeah, um, growing up, my whole life was playing lacrosse, basketball, football year round. Mm. Uh, you know, and traveling all over the place for it. Mm. Um, you know, dad coached me growing up. Uh, and, and it was big in my family too, and not just from a playing point of view, but also from you know watching. Mm. Uh, you know, we were big Maryland fans growing up, so okay. Terrapins. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of a lot of weeknights were filled with going to basketball games and weekends, uh, you know, going to college football games, and then also you know from the D.C. area, uh, you know, the Redskins, Caps, Nats, Wizards, all that. Um, mm. It was was a very big part of life growing up, and dominated conversation for our family still does um, mm. you know everything at the dinner table or you know on the way out somewhere in the car is you know hey did you see that game last night did you see that play you know what do you think of, of this coach um, mm. you know all that so it, it is 
been a big part of my life, um, especially growing up. And then, you know, even till now, uh, you know, it still is the focal point of our conversations mm -hmm. when I'm home. It's amazing how it, it does become a big focal point of our conversations in life, you know, and relationships and with the guys or with family. And mm -hmm. it, a lot of it centers around sports. And it's amazing how much we know about sports. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, it is. So, but, but for you, there came a point where it kind of went to a different level. And, and that was when you started um, kind of betting on some games. How, how did that whole process start? Yeah, and uh, in high school, you know, we, we'd joke around and, you know, throw, throw 10 bucks on a game with a friend, um, you know, come back to school the next day and, you know, talk about the game and, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, hey, 10 bucks, uh, stuff like that. But it didn't really seriously start until um, my freshman year at Radford. Uh, I, I was a somewhat of a rule follower back then and, and knew you couldn't gamble until you were 18 uh, for overseas mm -hmm. books. And, and so I started gambling online at, at the age 18. Um, and, and you know, my freshman year at Radford, it was uh, something that if I didn't have anything going on, uh, it was nice because could throw some money on a game and boom, I got something going on, um, you know. And it wasn't very serious then. It was just something, hey, if I don't have something going on, well, hey, I can entertain myself with this. Mm. Or, and hey, if I win, you know, I'll have some beer money or something mm. for, you know, the weekend. And, and that's really the only way I looked at it uh, when I was at Radford. Um, and that's really how it started was that first year, uh, freshman year of college. It was just something recreational, but something that if I didn't have anything going on, hey, not, now I have something going on. Mm -hmm. Were there certain teams you would kind of focus on or was it just kind of all over the board? Uh, once I got more into it, uh, it didn't matter what, what it was. Really? You know, it could be a um, you know, tennis match in the middle of the day, a soccer match, you know, in, in Turkey mm -hmm. um, for all I cared. Um, you know, if there was a side to pick, um, hey, I, I was going to do some research on it and pick one. Wow. So, yeah. And then you started finding out like a, a bookie or something. So you had somebody to go through and. Yeah. And, and at that time, um, you know, and it, it gets uh, a lot more interesting. But at that time, it was really just uh, I, I was betting online through a sports book. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the time, uh, would load money up on my credit card. And uh, me and my dad have a, a great relationship. Um, you know, I consider him like a best friend mm. uh, most of the time and, and talk to him every day. And uh, he was someone um, that I had built a ton of trust with. And we'd always had that. And uh, my freshman year, I, I knew that I could exploit that trust. Mm. And so when I started wow. to lose some money, uh, <laughs> made up you know, a pretty intense uh, lie and, and basically told him, you know, hey, I'm basically a part of a pyramid scheme, um, and you know, hey, can you reimburse me for this? And, and sometimes he'd see money come in from me um, if I was winning, and if I was mm -hmm. losing, uh, you know, he'd see, well, hey, I guess, you know, you just need to put more money up front, you know, mm -hmm. for, for more product. Um, but yeah, came up with this elaborate scheme uh, to wow. basically work around my dad and, and take advantage of his trust with that, um, and, and that's how I was gambling at that point. When did you start to realize, like, hey, this has kind of gotten uh, out of control? This is starting to, to become a really much bigger deal. I mean, was that Radford or was that at UTK or was so, that? So um, it really started to pick up um, my sophomore year when I transferred to Tennessee. Mm. Um, it's tough transferring in as a sophomore oh, yeah. um, to a, a new college. And Tennessee is always somewhere I wanted to go because my brother went there. Um, 
like most younger brothers. Mm-hmm. You want to be like your older brother. And I saw the experience he had there. And when I got there, um, I was just in a totally different place that, than he was um, mentally and spiritually. Mm. Uh, I had started to really get into drugs at that point, mm. especially painkillers, mm. um, specifically Oxycontin. Mm. And basically, most of my days were filled with getting high and not going to class. And then, hey, I was home, had nothing going on, so might as well gamble on a game. Um, and so at UT is when it really started to pick up. Um, and it was really, really tough at that point because, uh, you know, I was in this place where I was partying a lot, but I didn't, I, you know, almost didn't really want to go party. I would rather just, a perfect night for me was sitting in, uh, getting high and betting on a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it could be, like I said, you know, Utah versus Cal and in, in football on a, you know, Saturday night and, and that's where I wanted to be, wanted to be on my couch. Um, and that's where it started to, to pick up uh, because it became such a focal point of what I was doing every single day. Mm-hmm. And it started to become a habit where if I wasn't doing it, my day was thrown off or weird. Mm. Um, and so anyways, that, that first year UT started to really get in the hole as far as the, the online sports books went, but then also started getting involved with bookies because, um, you know, bookies wouldn't make you front the money sometimes. And so sometimes that was my only option was get set up with a bookie and know I wouldn't have to put the money up front. Hopefully I won. And if I lost, well, I'll, f- I'll figure it out then. Wow. Um, and anyways, I'll have to show uh, that second semester there at UT, you know, uh, got in the hole pretty big and needed a way out. And, you know, at time it kind of run its course and, uh, basically dad found out what mm. was going on. Um, there were some different networks and uh, different family members that he saw, you know, were trying to help me out with money and, you know, basically caught me dead in my tracks and, mm. you know, but said, hey, look, I love you. I care about you. Uh, you fell down. I'm going to pick you back up. Um, you know, hey, I'm going to play banker for you here. Uh, I'm going to loan you the money to make sure that you can pay off these people, but you know, you're gonna pay me every dime back um, and we're gonna work through this together. Mm. Um, and really at that point is where I thought, man, I'm gonna turn my life around. Um, just started dating a girl at that time. Mm. Um, that girl was Blair who mm. eventually be- became my wife. And uh, yeah, girls make you do some crazy things. Mm. And I was like, hey, I, I gotta be on my best behavior here mm. and can't be messing around with this or drugs or, um, you know, don't wanna be fully involved in that party scene. And yeah, for that summer, um, I'd start, that's right when I started working at Brown Bag and mm-hmm. everything was trending up for me. Um, and I was getting my life back together, I thought. Wow. But then something happened there too, right? I mean, it, what was that? I mean, and you think, man, you're trending up, you know, things are looking great. I mean, job, great girl. I mean, Blair's amazing. And, but there was still this addiction there. There was still something there, right? Yep, and uh, I'll never forget, I started working at Brown Bag and, and was going into that fall semester at UT. I was really trying to concentrate on school because uh, that past year, uh, the, that whole combination of uh-huh. what I had going on, uh, grades weren't doing too hot. And so I was excited for it. And I remember I got a call from someone, um, a guy I didn't know at the time and said, hey, uh, I, know, I know your story. I know you used to, to gamble um, and I know you're in a ton of debt hey, I think I can help you out. And 
I was like, oh, well, what can you do for me? And he said, you know, hey, you know a ton of college kids. Why don't you play middleman for me? You know, and mm. if people, if your guys, you know, clients win your bets, uh, you know, uh, you're out nothing. I'll pay them out, and you're out nothing. If they lose their bets, I'll give you 10% of it. He's like, it's a you know, no lose, no risk situation for you, and you know, you, you hope you get out of debt quicker. And uh, unfortunately, as a 20-year-old college kid, I thought, hey, this is great. Wow. You know, I'm gonna be able to you know pay my dad off quicker. I'm gonna make more money. Um, you know, and still kind of be in the gambling world, but not really in it. And sure enough, um, it started out like that. And then, you know, another book, he gets wind of that. Well, hey, I'll, I'll give you 15% um, if you bring some of your clients over to me. And, you know, then I see how much money they're both making. And I say, well, forget this. Why play middleman? I'm just going to start being the bookie. And, you know, started booking my own clients, playing middleman for a few different bookies in Knoxville, um, while also then just beginning to bet again. Wow. Um, and so all that was going on uh, behind the scenes and no one had a clue. Um, I mean, I was involved in ministry, was involved at the church, um, you know, and I mean, I remember getting up there and speaking about my story, uh, you know, to high school kids. Mm. And before I'm getting up there, you know, I'm checking the, you know, score of some NBA playoff game to, you know, see, well, shoot, am I going to go out to pay my bookie after this? Or, you know, am I going to be able to go out with Blair after this to dinner? Wow. And it was literally like that for, um, you know, about a year and a half until a week before my wedding. Um, this was all going on. And I mean, every single, you know, day for me, it was moving funds out of bank accounts, um, into bank accounts, you know, and then at the same time, you know, going and meeting people, picking up money, moving money. Um, you know, it was just, I knew I couldn't live this lifestyle once I was married. Mm. And I didn't want to go into marriage with any, any holding anything back. Yeah. And, you know, kind of told myself, well, hey, once, once I get married, this runs over. It's done with. And um, told Blair the, the week of our wedding, which, uh, yeah, not, not the best timing um, <laughs> to, to drop that mm. on her. And, you know, Blair just said, look, you know, it, it breaks my heart. Um, I'm still going to marry you on Saturday, but this is done. And I don't care about the details. I don't want to know the details, but this is done. And it's no longer going to be a part of our life, your life, and our marriage. Wow. And I said, okay. And when I realized it really started to spiral out of control was uh, – second day of our honeymoon. Um, you know, I'd been about three days without gambling, you know, told all my clients I'm done, told the bookies I'm done, all that, you know, close out everything, done. And second day into my honeymoon, I'm sneaking off to the bathroom to place a bet. Um, wow. And, you know, that continued on for about four or five months. Mm. Um, and at this time, I was a little bit more strapped. I couldn't, you know, I. Blair and I shared, you know, bank account, and, you know, I know any money that I was bringing in, it, it couldn't really be seen, um, and trying to find workarounds to it, and, and there wasn't a ton, and so at this point, I was really just gambling by myself, mm. um, and sure enough, uh, about four months into our marriage, um, I was in the hole about 15 grand, blown through our savings, and... You know, a couple of the bookies that I had a working relationship with said, hey, Jonathan, 
look, we need our money, you know, um, we know your story, you know, we, we can call your wife and, you know, not, not harm her in any way, but, you know, we'll tell her, hey, we, we need our money. And uh, if you want us to have that conversation with her, then we'll gladly have that conversation with her, but we think you'd probably rather have that conversation with her. Um, you know, basically, hey, wow. figure out a way to get us the money or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell your wife and it'll be a lot worse coming from us than from you. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had to tell her, um, you know, and, and at that point I had to tell my parents. Um, and it was tough. It was embarrassing. You know, mm. I'm a married man um, at this time, just had moved to Nashville, was getting ready to, to own a business. And, um, you know, I'm having to call my parents to, to bail me out. And so um, at that time they, you know, said, hey, Jonathan, we're going to, you know, do the same thing we did last time. We're going to pick you up. Mm. You know, we're going to love on you, forgive you. And, you know, but really this, this isn't as much for you as, you know, we're trying to take care of Blair here. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to play banker again for you. We'll loan you the money. You're going to pay us back on our terms. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll repeat this cycle. Um, you know, at this time, hey, we're going to, you know, once you start seeing a psychologist, see kind of what's going on in your brain. Um, but it was tough, you know, they're in Northern Virginia and mm -hmm. they're trying to look out for their son. And, you know, at that point was another point where I was like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm about to, you know, own, operate a business here in Nashville. I'm going to be working a ton. And, you know, uh, the childish years are over. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm done with this. Um, and so at that point, you know, I started to try and get, get my life back together. Mm. Um, Obviously, that's not where the story ends. Mm. Um, that, that was the end of 2015. And start going down the right path and I'm working tons of hours, you know, getting a, a restaurant off the ground oh, yeah. in a new market uh, is, is no easy task. And sure enough, August rolls around that year. So I'd, it's been about nine months um, since I've done any gambling, been involved in it. And I start seeing commercials uh, for FanDuel and DraftKings, daily fantasy sports. And just to show you how much my mind was messed up was I literally thought in my head, well, it's legal. And mm. it's not gambling, you know, is, is what I told myself. Mm. And, you know, for people who don't know what that is, you know, daily fantasy, DFS is what it's called. It, it, you're not picking a side. You're basically constructing a roster of, you know, real-life professional players for different sports and whatever point totals they put up, stats, points, rebounds, blocks, assists, you know, all goes to your total point value. And you do that for money and sometimes in tournaments and you can win a lot of money or, you know, sometimes just against another person. And I thought in my head that's okay. Mm. That's not the same as you know picking a side and, and sports gambling that's mm. legal so i can do that and just another thing i started to hide from blair um started to hide from you know business partners um you know family friends and started doing that and sure enough you know 20 30 dollars a night at the start in august september and uh before you knew it february march um it was $5,000, $10,000, wow. $15,000 until at one point, you know, putting $20,000 down a night. No way. 
on these daily fantasy lineups. Um, and I mean, just the emotion swings I would have that I would have to keep under wraps. I was just I was basically numb. Um, you know, I'd be out at dinner with friends and checking my phone here and there and then, you know, looking up at the TV at the bar and knowing that, hey, if this guy doesn't score on this last possession of the game, I'm going to lose $20,000. And if he does, I'm going to win $20,000. And either way, um, whether I win or lose, my reaction at the dinner table with friends and Blair is going to be the exact same as if nothing was going on. I was just numb, numb wow. to it. And so that, that started to really pick up. And I mean, I was maxing out credit cards, paying them off the next day, you know, had a good week. I'd take out a personal loan and pay it right off. Um, you know, money going in and out of Venmo, PayPal, bank accounts, all over the place. I mean, just all over the place. And like I said, I just numb, numbness. Mm. Um, just had no idea really what was going on. And uh, at this time, Brownback was doing well, uh, but not $20,000 a night will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, it finally, you know, escalated and basically climaxed that. I'll, I'll never forget, it was April 24th, mm. uh, 2017. Got a call from Blair. Um, hey, I'm out at coffee with a friend. Debit card isn't working. Also tried the other two credit cards. Those both aren't working. I said, hey, well, you know, I don't know. Let, let me call the bank. And she goes, no, 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 I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll call them. I'm like, no, 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 I'll, I'll call them. Just, you know, once we get home, we'll talk about it. Just have whoever you're with pay for it. We'll Venmo them after, you know. And uh, I mean, <laughs> it's just the absurdity of it. it it's, it talking about it every single time I'm just like what what was going through my head mm. and you know sure enough I get home and Blair's sitting there on her couch slumped over the computer and she's got her bank accounts pulled up our credit card statements pulled up I mean it's all sitting right there and I still she looked at it and just told me she said what's going on and I said trust me it's not what it looks like and she told me, you need to find somewhere else to sleep tonight. And that's the point where I was like, okay, I, I have a problem. Um, you know, it took my wife telling me basically that you need to find somewhere else to sleep tonight and basically about $160,000 wow. of debt accumulated to realize that I'd gone too far. And nowhere to that point, did I realize that I had gone too far until that moment? Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This is hard to get your mind around that, isn't it? No, yeah. yeah. I mean, mm. I, I, I lived it, and I, yeah. I still can't wrap my head around yeah. some of the things I did. Yeah. Um, the decisions I made, I, I just, <laughs> I, I can't explain it. And, and you know, it, when you go back and look at it mm. and when you talk about it, 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 it kills me. Yeah. Um, because it's just like, man, what were you thinking? So, so what was the implication then? I mean, when she said you got to go sleep somewhere else, I mean, all of a sudden now it's exposed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so what was the impact of that sports gambling on, on, your, 
on your wife, on your family, on your life, on your job? I mean, what, what happened with all that? Yeah, so uh, you know, a couple of days later, we, we came back and, and sat down together. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, oh, are we going to get a divorce? Um, you know, what, what, what's going to happen here? And I'll never forget, um, she said, look, I love you and I care about you. And um, when I got up to you, next to you on that altar, I, I told you, till death do us part, through sickness, through health, you know, I'm going to be here for you. And we, we are going to make this work. Now, if we're going to make this work, you have to get healthy. Mm. Because if you don't get healthy, th then our marriage can't be healthy. Right. It just can't. Um, and, you know, she said, the finances, who cares? Mm. I could literally care less about our finances. We got to get us right, and, and then we'll figure out the rest of it. And the part that still pains me the most is at that point in time, I didn't want to commit to that. You know, this woman that's coming to me telling me, hey, you've lied to me basically, you know, the, the four years that we've been together. Mm. And on top of that has put, you know, taken $160,000 from, you know, savings and put us, you know, that much money in debt. And I'm still unsure if I want to make this work because I know that if I make it work, I can't gamble anymore. I know that if our marriage is going to work, that I can't gamble on sports. Mm. And it sucks, but that, that's, that's where my mind went. Yeah. Was I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice sports gambling to make us work. Wow. And she is on the complete opposite side, yeah. offering everything up. And so... Yeah, I mean, it she's was, amazing, by the way. Oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, oh. I, I love yeah. her so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't wait to just go home and yeah. see her after this. <laughs> no. um, yeah. yeah, whenever I get talking about this, uh, I'll always have to shoot her a text after yeah. and just be like, "Hey, can you come home and yeah. can I just hug you and hold yeah. you and mm. love on you?" Um, and so, yeah, so you know, at that point. Um, like okay well you know let's let's start going Let, let's start figuring out what we can do and for the first few months it was go through the motions cross my t's dot my eyes um i had gotten in a recovery course called celebrate recovery yeah i'm um, a christian-based recovery program and you know i was going to that frequently um you know we were going to marriage counseling i was going to counseling she was going to counseling um but we had kept it in just this small bubble of just you know us and, and a couple other people, you know, hadn't told family, hadn't told friends, hadn't mm. told work. Um, and you know, that's just another thing, you know, she's living with this every day. And, you know, I, I'm basically, you know, telling her, hey, I, I don't, I don't want the world to know yet. I'm not ready. Wow. Like, I can't do it. You know, I don't even want friends to know. And, you know, she respected me in that. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's just crazy that, you know, she never put it under, under you know, her guidelines of, mm. hey, no, 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 I'm doing it this way. Mm. Um, and I don't care because you got us in this mess. Mm. You know, it was always from day one, this mess is ours. Mm. You know, wow. day one, mess is ours. Like, we're going to dig out together. It is not you. And she also just like, you know, she's like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to ever, you know, bring this up. 
or be mad about it as far as, you know, well, we can't do this because you did this. I'm never going to do that. Now, I'm going to I'm going to question you and I'm going to hold you accountable, but I'm never going to negatively come at you. Mm. Um, you know, this isn't a game. We're not keeping score. You know, we're on the same team here. And always, always, that was her thing. She always would say, you know, this mess is ours. This yeah. debt is ours. It's not your debt. You know, it's not my debt. It's our debt. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, yeah, um, was going through the motions with it um, until, you know, ha- had a-, a mentor come to me and say, you can keep going through the motions. And if you go through the motions, that's fine. And you may get nine months down the road. You may get nine years down the road. Mm-hmm. But you are going to lose your family. You know, you're going to lose your wife. And you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose everything. You know, right now, you've got to switch gears here. You can't be stagnant and you've got to push forward. And at that time, I really started to, to ramp it up. Say, okay, hey, I'm taking recovery seriously. I'm taking meetings with my sponsor seriously. I'm going to start working the 12 steps. I'm going to start getting healthy so that, you know, I can take care of my wife. Mm. Um, and so that, that was the big part of, of me and her working through it. Time came where for, you know, my, my health and my recovery, I had to open up to, to friends and family. And, you know, at that time, if you surround yourself with good people, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to come back and they're going to be hurt and disappointed, mm-hmm. but they're going to love you mm-hmm. and care for you. Um, as far as job went, that, that was the toughest one. Mm. Um, went to the brown bag guys, um, the, two, the two overall owners in Knoxville, and told them this is what's been going on the past you know, five years. And they came back, and I mean, I'll, I'll never forget, this was one of the toughest conversations I had to have with them and one of the toughest conversations I had to have with Blair shortly mm. after hey, we're pulling your owner-operator status. Mm. We love you, we care about you, we love you, and we care about Blair. But we can't have someone operating our business yeah. in a market that we're not in that we don't trust. And point blank, we don't trust you. Mm. And that's when, when the going got rough. Yeah. Um, we were, me and Blair really had to come together. Um, and I remember having that conversation with her after, and it was like, I mean, the word bankruptcy was you know, being thrown around because we were at that point. Um, but it was like, hey, I got to get another job. Mm. I got to start working two jobs. We're going to have to move. You know, we're going to have to get on the rice and beans diet. Um, you know, everything. Our whole life was just completely flipped upside down. We got to start selling everything that we don't need. Um, you know, and Brown Bag was like, hey, look, you know, we do care about you and we want to see you get to the other side of this. So we're going to let you keep a job here. And at that point, I didn't have an option. I mean, I can't just give up employment, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we were in, in just an absurd amount of debt. And so there's still bills I got to pay and things I got to do. Um, but, you know, picking up second jobs and, and changing the way we lived. And, you know, Brown Bag was, was great through that process. You know, I had a company car. I said, we're going to mm. let you keep the company car. You know, we're going to pay for all your counseling. Um, off all Blair's counseling. Um, and so they were really there for wow. me in that sense. But, you know, at the time, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was just angry. I was mad. I was upset um, because I'm like, how can you do this to me, yeah. you know? And, yeah, I mean, those, those next few months were rough. Um, I mean, every morning, 
it's just never wanted to get out of bed mm. and every night I never wanted to go to sleep because that meant I had to wake up the next morning and and go you know bust it mm. and it was tough because you work all day long and then you know would have to go to recovery class or meet with my sponsor or go to my step study or go to counseling it was like that every single day and then outside of that you know trying to still repair my marriage mm -hmm. and spend time with my wife and be present with that and uh it was really really tough and really hard um with all out to say though we we made it on the other side of yeah. it um you know that was over a year ago and and back to my original standing with brown bag now mm -hmm. um you know and it just had to keep our head down and and, and grind it out mm. and and work hard um and just hey trust that the lord's going to provide mm -hmm. and that's what we did and Blair just being my rock, mm -hmm. you know, every night when I would come home and I would just whine, complain about everything. And she was just like, hey, it's mm. okay. We made it through another day, Yeah, you know? Mm. So. How have you seen God um, work in your life through all this? I mean, you grew up a pastor's kid and have gone through all this journey and, and yet you're seeing God working right now in an amazing way. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of things, um, you spoke on your sermon on, on Sunday about how, uh, when people are sitting in traffic, you know, and they listen to the radio and they throw it up to the guy in the sky, he's got eyes in the sky and, you know, can tell you where the traffic is and what routes you need to go if you're trying to get to this place or that place. And, and God's the same way. Um, and it took me realizing that, um, that, Hey, God is, you know, say your, your life is a map here on the ground. God's up top. He's watching this all happen, mm -hmm. and he's, he's taking you the right way. Mm -hmm. It may be a detour, but he's taking you the right way. Mm -hmm. And I had a really hard time with that at first. Um, I'm a control freak. I want everything in my control. Yeah. Um, and realizing that, hey, I got to offer it all up to God. Um, you know, come to the feet and lay mm -hmm. it all down. Yeah. And I got to trust that he's going to take care of me. And even when it doesn't make sense to me, mm -hmm. you know, he can see big picture. Yeah, uh, he knows, and and there's going to be more times in life where you know that that, that comes up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a scripture I always went to mm -hmm. um, during this time, and and growing up as a pastor's kid, and going to private school growing up, um, it always made us learn these Bible verses and <laughs> drove me nuts. Um, but it was in the book of James, and it, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, and mm -hmm. you know because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Mm. And so through everything, it was just like persevere, mm. persevere, persevere, have faith. And I, I just tried to nail that into my heart mm -hmm. and you know, know that, hey, I've got trials going right now mm -hmm. and that's okay. Um, and I'm gonna continue to fight and you know, seeing me do that and offer it up to God and to a point where I, I'd never really done that before. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd never really given it all to him. Mm -hmm. There was still stuff I, I would control, mm -hmm. you know, finances. That's mm -hmm. something I still felt like I could control, mm -hmm. you know, and then, Hey, your owner operator status is pulled from you. Mm -hmm. Hey, you can't control finances, mm -hmm. you know, and you just got to trust that God's going to provide. Yeah. Mm. What would you say, Jonathan, you know, sports is such a big part of our culture and every guy probably uh, watching is you know into some team following some team and 
What, what would you say to guys that this is a temptation? I mean, you know, or sports betting or sports gambling. It's it, what would you say to guys about that? Yeah, and I mean, majority of my friends, they, yeah, you know, they, they they bet on sports. Yeah, um, and in today's day and age, I mean, it's becoming so common. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, everyone knows the spread of games or what the line is and, and, and things like that. And I'm never going to tell someone what they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. um, but what I will say is every decision you make and whether that's sports gambling or anything else in life, you know, are you thinking of, you know, a few things? Are you thinking how will this affect my family, mm. you know, my wife, you know, my kids, and is this glorifying to God? Mm. Um, and is it taking away time and effort and being present with those things, with God, family, friends, you know, to do this. And that might be sports gambling, it might be something else. And if you're ever taken away from those things, it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Um, and I've asked myself those questions before when I was gambling and I didn't care. Mm. You know? I told myself, well, yeah, I know that I should be present with my wife and I probably shouldn't be doing this but I still did it because mm. I wanted to do that instead. And I'm mm. selfish mm. and you know, we're sinners. Mm. We're selfish. We want to do what we want to do. We want to please ourselves. Yeah. And you know, when you run through those roadblocks and run through those signs, um, you know, the best advice I can say is, is have some accountability, yeah. you know, whether it's, it's wife or friend or whatever it is. Um, you know, just have some accountability mm -hmm. um, because I've been on the opposite end and sometimes $20 seems like nothing. And, you know, fast forward six months and it's $20,000. Wow. And, you know, everyone's got their junk. Everyone's got stuff they're dealing with. Um, mine's sports gambling. You know, I know that I can't do that. And I know there's a lot of things out there that, that people can do, mm -hmm. you know, and I know in my situation, there's no thing, there's things that I can do that people can't do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just how we're wired. We're all different. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, we all for, fall short, you yeah. know, yeah. of the glory of God. And, you know, we need to know that going forward that, hey, we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. Yeah. And, you know, no one's perfect. But if we ask ourselves those questions, um, I feel like you're usually going to yield good results. Mm. I, I, I'm so thankful you said that, you know, and. None of us are perfect, but man, God's grace is sufficient for us. And um, just to see the redemption in your life, you know, and in your marriage, yeah, you know, your job, that, that, that's the hand of the Lord, you know, mm -hmm. and he's giving you this second chance or third chance or, you know, fourth chance. I mean, he's just, but he's given this to you. And, and now the difference is you got that accountability. And now that difference, you got, you know, a sponsor and recovery and, yeah. you know, you've got people around you. Uh, and church and community. Um, give us two takeaways. You know, like if you were two takeaways to all the guys who are, who are mm -hmm. watching this, um, just just give us two takeaways on what God's taught you through this journey. Um, my two would be um, trust and faith. I group mm -hmm. those in as one. Um, you just got to trust that he has a plan. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, you don't see it, and, and that's okay. Yeah. And you need to be okay with that. Yeah. You need to be okay with, hey, I, I don't know what this is going to bring or, you know, t today sucks <laughs> and I'm having a really hard time today. And that, that's okay mm. um, because, you know, those days are going to come, come and go. 
and you just got to trust that, hey, God's got a plan overall for me. Um, that, that was the biggest thing for me was trusting him in that and just having faith that, hey, he will provide. He will take care of me. You know, I don't know if it's going to be in five years that I realize this, 10 mm-hmm. years, 20 years, you know, but I got to trust that he's going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And it won't always appear to me on the you know, surface um, because, it, I mean, I went through a rough patch for, you know, a 23, 24-year-old, mm-hmm. but I'm only 25 now, yeah. and I hopefully got a lot of years left to live, and a lot more of these situations are going to come up. Yeah. And so in that, I got to trust. And then I'd say number two um, is, man, he puts people in your life mm-hmm. that um, are looking out for you mm-hmm. and are going to take care of you. Um, and surrounding yourself with godly people in life, mm. I think is just absolutely huge, your community. And I mean, my wife, my mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. you know, my friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people that, you know, still, I mean, I'm, I'm a year and a half from that April 24th date. Mm. And there's still friends that still text me just every couple of days and just say, hey, how are you doing? Mm. And I mean, it might just be, hey, I'm good, thanks, man. Or, you know, on the days that I was having a rough day, today sucks, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working a double shift or mm-hmm. whatever it may be, you know, or, hey, you know, car has this problem, I got to get this fixed. And, you know, they wouldn't get through, they'd be like, okay, well, you know, maybe I won't send them a text again. But no, they, they still just kept coming. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many people that still do that, and it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it absolutely blows my mind. And in this day and age, mm-hmm. with, with technology, we, we have no excuse you know, yeah. not to. And that's what I said to one of my buddies. I said, man, you've been texting me for the past year and a half, every couple of days, just saying, hey, how are you doing? Or how's today going? Or, hey, hope you're doing well. You know, that's crazy that you yeah. do that. And he was like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> like, it takes me 10 seconds to send you a text message. Yeah. You know, or, you know, I'm, I'm, all of us are driving all over the place and there's mm-hmm. traffic everywhere. You know, you think mm-hmm. I can't take, you know, mm-hmm. five minutes to give you a phone call mm-hmm. while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that's been clearly evident of, hey, God puts people in your life and, and um, you know, take advantage of that and yeah. surround yourself with a good Christian community and people that love you and care about you. Man, that's strong. It is. You, you, you're known by the company you keep, you know, and mm-hmm. if you're wrong circles, you're going to go that direction. But, man, the people around you. And, and even for us, I mean, there's, there's people that God puts in our lives. Maybe we need to text somebody right now, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Right, you know, that we just know has, has been walking through a dark time. Hey, last question. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, yeah, I think about this all the time. Um, because two years ago, if you would have asked me what, you know, I want my legacy to be, you know, well, hey, I want to have a ton of money. I want to be making, a, you know, a lot of money by when I'm 40, you know, be able to take care of my wife and send mm. my kids off to, you know, mm. this university and, mm. you know, open as many brown bags as I can or, or whatever it is. Um, and now I want to be the guy for someone that's sending the text. <laughs> that's what I want. You know, I, I, I genuinely do. I want to be the guy that's in your corner. Mm. Um, and when you think of me and they think of Jonathan, they say, Man, that guy's in my corner, you know. That's awesome. When I get knocked out, he's picking me back up, mm. you know. He's shooting me that text, giving me that call, um, you know. And I, I also I think of my wife, mm-hmm. and I want to be like my wife, <laughs> you know. Uh, and as corny as it sounds, I mean, not just for her, but 
Mexico for hopefully my future family yeah. and then my friends. I want to mm. be a rock. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want their mess to be my mess. Mm. I want to be in the trenches with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to dig out of holes with them. Mm. You know, I want to be there for them. Yeah. And so if I can go to bed at night, you know, knowing that, hey, I'm a guy that cares for other people and loves other people. And people can say that about me like I can say about those guys that send me text messages every couple days, then I'll be all right. Wow, that's awesome. Jonathan, thanks, man. Thank you yeah. for just sharing your heart and your life. And I pray, guys, that you're watching, that this would stir you. And, um, you know, on both one side or the other, you know, maybe you're struggling in those areas, just know God's grace and he is there and take those steps to get healing and help. Uh, and also be that kind of person who's in somebody else's corner because you can make a huge difference. So let me pray for us right now. Yeah, absolutely. Father God, thank you for today. Thanks for Jonathan, God. Just thank you for his life, even the hardships, God, that have brought him to this point. And Father, thank you for the healing, God, that is happening in his heart, in his mind, in his marriage, in his career. And God, I thank you for his wife, Blair. I just thank you, God, for her faithfulness to you and to her husband. And uh, Father, I pray for Jonathan's legacy, and I pray for all of ours, God. I pray for every man watching and listening today, God, that we would be godly husbands and fathers and men after your heart, and that Satan wouldn't come in and get a foothold, Father, and lead us away from you, but God, that we'd be men who are strong and steadfast and stand for what's right. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would stir in our hearts, God, and call us to be men after your heart. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for this time. And then we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for watching today. Uh, tune in next month for our next podcast. But let's continue to grow and be all that God has designed us to be. Thanks for joining us today.